Chanty. The word, her word, please repeat. Yesham. Yesham. Of the Brahmanas. Of the Brahmanas. Viparmi. Viparmi. I bear. I bear. Aham. Aham. I. I. Akanda. Akanda. Unbroken. Unbroken. Bikunta. Bikunta. Unobstructed. Unobstructed. You know, we have Vaikunta. Vikunta. Kunta means obstructed. So Vikunta means without being obstructed. Vaikunta means also without obstruction. Without the spiritual world is the place of Vaikunta, place without anxiety. So no anxiety means there's no obstructions, there's no impediments. There's no interruption of the flow of activities in devotion to Krishna. It's uninterrupted. So that's Vaikunta. But this material world, there are so many obstructions on the path of, on any path, <laughs> on the material path or even on the spiritual path, we have obstructions. Yoga Maya, Yoga Maya, internal energy, internal energy, Vibhuti, Vibhuti, opulence, opulence, Amala, Amala, pure, pure. Hungry, hungry, of the feet. The Jaha, the dust, Kiri Tai, on my helmet, Vipran, the Brahmanas, Tu, Vin, Ka, Hu, Na, Not, Vishahita, Kari, Yat, of the Supreme Lord, Arana Ambaha, Water which has washed the feet. Water which has washed feet. Sadyaha. At once. At once. Unati. Unati. Sanctifies. Sanctifies. Soha. Along with. Chandra Vallama. Chandra Vallama. Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva. Lokam. Lokam. The three worlds. The three worlds. Translation by His Divine Grace Shiva Prabhupada. This is the Lord speaking. I am the master of my unobstructed internal energy. And the water of the Ganges is the remnant left after my feet are washed. That water sanctifies the three worlds, along with Lord Shiva, who bears it on his head. If I can take the dust of the feet of the Vaishnava on my head, who will refuse to do the same? Please repeat. I am the master of my unobstructed internal energy. I am the master of my unobstructed internal energy. And the water of the Ganges is the remnant. And the water of the Ganges is the remnant. Left after my feet are washed. Left after my feet are washed. That water sanctifies the three worlds. That water sanctifies the three worlds. Along with Lord Shiva. Along with Lord Shiva. Who bears it on his head. Who bears it on his head. If I can take the dust of the feet of the Vaishnava on my head, who will refuse to do the same? Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. The difference between the internal and external energies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead 
is that in the inner internal energy or in the spiritual world, all the opulences are undisturbed. Whereas in the external or material energy, all the opulences are temporary manifestations. The Lord's supremacy is equal in both the spiritual and material worlds. But the spiritual world is called the kingdom of God. And the material world is called the kingdom of Maya. Maya refers to that which is not actually fact. The opulence of the material world is a reflection. It is stated in Bhagavad Gita that in this that this material world is just like a tree whose roots are up and branches down. Normally a tree, the roots are down and the branches are up, but it's 180 degrees. This means that the material world is the shadow of the spiritual world. Real opulence is in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, the predominating deity is the Lord himself. Whereas in the material world, there are many lords. That is the difference between the internal and external energies. The Lord says that although he's the predominating factor of the internal energy, and although the material world is sanctified just by the water that has washed his feet, he has the greatest respect for the Brahmana and the Vaishnava. When the Lord himself offers so much respect to the Vaishnava and the Brahmana, how can one deny such respect to such personalities? Unless one is a fool or a rascal or a demon. It is very easy to deny proper respect to the Vaishnavas and the Brahmanas. But here the Lord is setting the example. I'm the master of my unobstructed internal energy, and the water of the Ganges is the remnant left after my feet are washed. That water sanctifies the three worlds along with Lord Shiva who bears it on his head. If I can take the dust of the feet of the Vaishnava on my head, who will refuse to do the same? So the Ganges is very sanctified and pure. And it's not just uh, some exaggerated proclamation of the scriptures. It's actually a fact. It is a scientific fact. They've studied the Ganges water. And it has these things in it that like eat all these all the impurities. So even though things are thrown in the Ganges, impure things, the Ganges water remains pure because it has these, I forget what they're called, phages or something like that. And they um, you know, they eat up bacteria and stuff. And the water remains pure. And it's the only water in the world that has that. 
There's no other water anywhere, only in the Ganga. There's this quality observed. So the Ganga is sanctified, it's holy. And the way the Ganga has come to manifest in the material world, when Lord Bhavanadev was begging charity from Bali Maharaj, he said he wanted three steps according to the measure of his foot. So Bali was telling him, you know, you have a big opportunity here. Your feet, your legs are not very long. So if you take three steps, that's not much. And I'm the proprietor um, of the whole universe at this moment, having conquered the demigods and taken away all their opulence and taken it over on behalf of the demons. So I can give you like anything, planet, you know, whole planet, whatever you want. And why are you only asking for three steps? That's not very much. I mean, now you have this great opportunity to get everything, so ask for a little more, why don't you? Don't blow the opportunity. Well, little, little did he know how the Lord could measure his three steps. So then the Lord, he, he took his first step, he covered all the lower planetary systems, the lower half of the universe. Then he took a second step and he covered the whole rest of the universe, the higher portion of the universe. And when he did that, his toe kicked a hole in the covering of the universe. So he could take some big steps. And his lotus toe is very powerful. So he kicked a hole in the covering of the universe. The universe is covered by so many layers of material elements. And he kicked a hole. So what's outside the universe is the Karna Jal, the causal ocean that Karna Dakshai Vishnu lies in. And that Karna Jal water leaked in to the universe through the hole created by the Lord's lotus toe. And when doing so, it washed the Lord's lotus feet. So not only it is the Karna Jal, the, the causal ocean, that pure spiritual water, but also it washes the lotus feet of the Lord as he has made a hole in the covering of the universe. Fascinating. Just fascinating. And so that Ganges, that is the Ganges water, that Karna Jal which washes the lotus feet of the Lord and comes from the spiritual outside of the universe, the spiritual existence. And um, <clears throat> so therefore it's very sanctified. But it also, it comes in a very powerful way. And if it were left unchecked, it could uh, create great havoc in the universe. Therefore, Mahadev, Lord Shiva, Maheshwara, he, being a great servant of the Lord, he takes that water on his head, so he, he breaks the fall of the water. Because it's coming with great force. So he catches that force, and then he allows the water to come down. And from, from him, from his head, then that water comes down to the higher planetary systems, and it comes down to our planetary system, and goes in different places in the universe. So on this Earth planet, that Gunga water comes down and um, it appears at Gangotri, which is the source of the Ganga in the Himalayas. Uh, 
very high in the Himalayas. And then it run down from the Himalayas through the Indian subcontinent. The, the, it's called the Gangetic Plain. And ends up in the Bay of Bengal there. And there's a big delta there, which is also a sacred place. Actually, I saw recently, within a couple of weeks, the uh, uh, Gurukul boys from Mayapur took a trip to this called Ganga Sagara, which is the place where the Ganga meets the Bay of Bengal. So the Ganga and Sagara means ocean. So Ganga Sagara is this specific holy place where the Ganga comes and then flows into the ocean or the Bay of Bengal. Uh, not that far from Mayapur, relatively close. So the Gurukul boys took a trip there because there's a Mela, there's a Ganga Sagara. Sagara Mela or uh, festival that takes place there. Many, many pilgrims go there uh, to take bath in the confluence of the Ganga and the Bayanikal. So it was really a nice little video because all the boys, they got to ride on the train and go and kind of have a good time and put on their gumptions and run and jump and play and all these things. And they interviewed a couple of the boys older boys who said that their job was to take care of the younger boys and make sure that no one got lost. And then they said to make sure that everyone had a good time. All the boys had a good time. Because, um, you know, boys, kids, they like to play around and jump and play in the water and stuff like that. Um, sporting in the waves. It's uh, one devotee who's no longer with us, a Prabhupada disciple named Kavidat. Do you know Kavi? I know Yeah. Book distributor. Yeah. Uh, from Georgia. He also had two brothers who were devotees. Speaking this morning of the three brothers. Uh, the two younger brothers were not Prabhupada disciples. Uh, <clears throat> Raktak was one. And the other's name is, I can't remember his name. He's a, Used to be a high school teacher in the, down in the uh, Caribbean. He's a drummer also. I used to do Sankirtan with both Kavidat and Raktak back in the 70s in Boston. So Kavidat was very, very fond of saying, and it's something a quote he got from Srila Prabhupada, that we have to sport in the waves of the Sankirtan movement, diving and surfacing. So that's an analogy, because the waves, what are, what are the waves of the Sankirtan movement? Those waves are Hare Krishna Kirtan, uh, preaching, book distribution. Book distribution is a very big wave, like a tsunami. <laughs> so he was fond of exhorting the devotees to uh, sport in the waves of the Sankirtan movement. Diving and surfacing in those waves, just like these boys were playing in Gagasakra in the ocean and running and jumping. So, um, that is the Ganga coming from the whole of the universe, kicked by the lotus foot of the Lord as he was taking his second step 
And then, of course, when the Lord actually he took it two steps and he covered the entire universe, then he said to Bali Maharaj, uh, you promised me three steps. And I took two steps. I covered the whole universe. So what about the third step? What about your promise? Your chacha, your word is your uh, currency. And I've taken two steps and there's nowhere left to take my third step. So it looks like you're not going to be able to fulfill your promise there. You're going to cheat me out of my third step after all that big, big talk about how much you could give me. And now, what, now what is the position? And Balai Maharaj said, Oh, my Lord, please place your third step with your lotus foot on my head. Very humbly. So that's called Atmani Vedana. He surrendered everything to Krishna. Atmani Vedana. I, I have nothing left to give you. I give you everything. So that is the mood of the devotee following in the footsteps of Bali Maharaj. Is that, my Lord, whatever I have, you just take it. Because what do I have? I have no qualification. All this energy, whatever borrowed plumes are there, they're coming from you. I have nothing, so please, I offer everything to you, and you just take me as your own servant and do with me whatever you will. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, prays like that in the mood of the gopis in the Shikshashtakam. Asli Shava Paladatam Kanastaman Adarshanam Maramahatam Kurutuba Yitatata Vadvinatu Lampato Oh my Lord, you can you can handle me roughly by your embrace. You can crush me because you're so powerful with your embrace, or you can just devastate me by not being present before me. This is what happened to the gopis. Krishna disappeared. You know, the rasa dance. They're having this big rasa dance, everything's ecstatic. And then suddenly, Krishna disappears. Make me brokenhearted by not being present before me. Hey, I thought we were dancing. Where'd you go? <laughs> Krishna disappeared from the rasa dance. <coughs> so if that's what you want to do, Krishna, if you want to smack me around, or you want to devastate me all right whatever you like nata means lord uh, like krishna is called gopinath nath means lord the lord of the gopis gopinath so matprana you are my life and soul prana means the life air within the body Whatever you want to do with me, go ahead. Because I have sold myself to you. And you're, uh, you're the master, I'm your servant. And so whatever you decide, I accept. I, it's not like the devotee protest. Yo, Krishna, 
Why are you smacking me around? Why is everything not going my way very beautifully and nicely the way I would like it to? Because that's what I would like. But when we surrender to Krishna, it's not what we would like. It's what Krishna would like. So, um, Prabhupada quotes that saying, I believe it must be British in origin, that uh, man proposes, God disposes. So we may propose to serve Krishna in this way or that way, but it is ultimately up to Krishna. And sometimes Krishna, sometimes, maybe all the time, Krishna will guide us or arrange things in a certain way that was not exactly according to our plan. But that's Krishna's business, and our business is just to accept whatever Krishna offers us, gives us, or however he engages it. We just accept that, and we do what it is that Krishna wants us to do. So that is one of the aspects of Krishna consciousness that is never understood by non-devotees. That the devotee, Krishna, you direct me, I'll do whatever you want me to. And the non-devotee is more interested in just me, aham mameti, I, me, mind. So whatever I want, that's what I want. But then he encounters so many what? Kunta, obstructions, the non-devotee. Encounter so many obstructions in trying to fulfill the plans to become happy. But the devotee, and this is something we learn from Bhakti Manod Thakur, and this is actually the mood of the gopis. The gopis don't care for their own personal sense gratification. They only want to arrange for the pleasure, enjoyment, and happiness of Krishna. They want to satisfy Krishna's senses. And whatever that takes, uh, they are ready to do that. They leave their homes, their husbands, their children, everything in the dead of night to go dance with Krishna for Krishna's pleasure. And, and meanwhile, their families are just abandoned. Is socially unacceptable in the Veda culture for women to do that. So if a woman runs off in the middle of the night, it's like, ah, come on. You know, it's a low class. Your duty is to stay home with your family. But this is not ordinary business they're running off. This is Krishna's business. They're running to please Krishna. Krishna summons them by playing his flute within the forest. And they hear the flute and let, let it go. <laughs> Forget everything else, society, uh, uh, rules and regulations, social convention, the normal ideas of what is right and what is wrong. That doesn't apply because Krishna is calling us. We're going for Krishna's pleasure. Imagine that. Just imagine that. But don't try to imitate it. <laughs> don't run off in the middle of the night saying, Krishna is calling me to the Rasa dance because we know that he's not calling you. 
If you're getting up and running off in the middle of the night, it must be for something else. So whatever it is, don't do that. <laughs> but this is the highest principle. So that, that is the principle of Krishna consciousness. We sacrifice whatever it is, sarva dharma paricca whatever it is that we hold dear, whatever it is that we want to do for ourselves, we give that up in order to try to please Krishna. Of course, Krishna is very wonderful. If you surrender to Krishna, then Krishna will manage to fulfill all your desires in such a way that it is very wonderful and you could not have imagined how Krishna could have done that, how, could, how Krishna could have managed and arranged your life in such a way that everything you always wanted, you were able to achieve. Or if it wasn't favorable for the service of Krishna, then you just gave it up. So we may hold some desire that is not favorable for our Krishna consciousness, very dear to us, we hold it in our heart. Then Krishna will arrange for things to happen in such a way that we'll realize, oh, I have to let it go, and then we give it up. And then Krishna becomes very pleased and satisfied. And we give it up. Sarva Dharma Parichaja. Give it up for Krishna. Give it to Krishna. And as Krishna likes, he can arrange for you to do all the things you wanted to do, but in a Krishna conscious way and for the service of Krishna. And that actually becomes very glorious. And I would say that in my experience and observing those around me who are, who are long time practitioners of Krishna consciousness, that actually this is the fact that we become fulfilled in a way that we never could have dreamed. And it's far better than what we had planned for ourselves or wanted for ourselves. And we have some desires within our heart that we've been cultivating and pursuing uh, for a long time, long, long, long in the past, far back beyond this present life, many lifetimes, lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes, because we are creatures of desire, Ananda Maya Vyasa. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is the supreme uh, exhibition of desire and love and happiness. And we are little, like little tiny drops of water like the, from the ocean. So the drop of water has a lot in common with the ocean. It's not big like the ocean, but if you examine it chemically, it has the same salinity, and hydrogen and oxygen, it's the same composition, it's of the same nature as the ocean. It's just a little tiny part. So we're that little tiny part, but we share that quality of desire with Krishna because we're coming from Krishna, we're Krishna's parts and parcels. So that we have, that is part of our existence, that desire, that individuality. We want to do stuff, we want to be something. And when we're in Maya, we want to do all those things we're desiring are for our sense gratification. Whereas on the other hand, when we're Krishna conscious, 
all those things we want to do for Krishna. And what is actually favorable, Krishna will arrange to allow us. And what is unfavorable, we can give it up. Not so easy. <laughs> it's not that, it, it sounds easy if you just say it like that. But actually we are very attached in so many ways. Um, because we have like this whole history of uh, existing and desiring and living that is eternal. So we, we got a long history. We say about someone, you know, oh yeah, he's, he's got a history. <laughs> yeah, well, we all got a history. <laughs> so in Krishna consciousness, we find the perfection of our desire of activity, of inspiration and realization. All of that whole world Krishna opens up to us as his mercy. Um, that's in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says that I reveal everything. I destroy the ignorance in the heart of the devotee who is constantly devoted to serving me with love. I just open up the whole understanding and realization that is spiritual and I destroy the darkness of ignorance for my devotee. So that's promise of Krishna. And if anyone knows how to deliver on his promise, it is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the master of all energies and the owner and controller of all energies. Here in this verse, uh, the Lord is saying that I am the master Nikunta uh, Yoga Maya Libuti. I am the unobstructed master of the internal energy. So we know in the about Krishna's energies, <coughs> this basic stuff, but because it's Krishna Kata, we always like to hear it. From the Vishnu Purana, Vishnu Shakti Para Prokta, Chaitra Gyakya Tatapara Avidya Karma, Tungyaya, Chutiya Shakti Ishate. That Krishna has his own internal spiritual energy, Vishnu Shakti Para Prokta. He's the master of all those energies. Um, and those energies are divided. Tritiya Shakti Ishate into three basic categories. Krishna's internal spiritual potency, which he manifests all the spiritual world and its activities, his external material energy, which manifests this material world, and then Chaitra Gyakya, Tatapara, the living entities, the knower, Chaitra Gya, which is the chapter we're reading right now in the mornings of Bhagavad Gita, chapter 13. Um, we are the Chaitanya, the knower of the field of the material energy. But that material energy, uh, avidya karma samgyaya, it, it has this effect on us because we want to forget Krishna and take shelter in the material energy. Then we become avidya, filled with ignorance, avidya karma samgyaya. We become covered by this maya, uh, which induces in us a sense of godlessness. 
to whereas we completely forget and ignore Krishna's existence. Everyone's walking around just like there is no God. Even though they're completely under the control of the material energy which comes from God, they can't see it. Uh, what is that from the first canto? So you would think you could see, oh, the sun is rising in the morning, and the whole of energy is under the control, very organized, all the living entities, this whole manifestation comes from God. No. We're all rushing headlong toward death, which will take away everything that we're trying to achieve which is temporary, it's right in front of our face. Everybody else is dying. <laughs> you think you're not going to die. Everybody else is dying right in front of you. There's a big graveyard, like a big, a big cemetery over on Oracle. Big graveyard full of dead bodies. Everybody's going south, but not me. <laughs> well, yeah, death is inter interrupting everyone's happiness, but you know, I'm going to try anyway. Pashanapi <laughs> pashati. It's right in front of your face and you don't see it. That is the covering power of mind. There's no God. I can enjoy. I can be God. What was it we heard this morning? After death, we all become God. Someone said who's supposed to be a devotee right here on this property to Joe. And Joe said, that's not right. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? That ain't right. Even Joe knows that. Joe, who has not made an exhaustive study of the Vedas, still he knows that you don't become God. So these are some of the ideas brought up here. And it's, this verse is very beautiful Sanskrit, a little bit challenging in a couple of places. But very wonderful. And this is the this is the Lord Himself speaking His own realization. So when Krishna delivers His realization, His opinion, and Bhagavad Gita says, "That is my opinion." Boy, you better listen and pay attention. That's the real opinion. So somebody may say to you, what is your opinion? Well, Krishna says that he explains what is what in the material world. So that is Krishna's opinion. So what is your opinion? My opinion is I accept Krishna's opinion. And also I accept Prabhupada's opinion because he's really super empowered by Krishna to deliver knowledge and understanding and realization. Okay, so I'll stop here. Thank you very much. Questions, comments? So that last thing you just said reminded me of uh, sometimes we're in this place like Tennessee or Georgia, you know, the Bible Belt. You'll see billboards that say things like um, uh, the Bible says it, I believe it, that sells it. So it sounds very, you know, simplistic and dogmatic. So, um, we don't want to sound like that. So what's the difference between 
our understanding and that understanding? Because we are taking the underst the understanding from the topmost source, the Lord speaking in the Vedic literatures, and it is not um, filtered through the sense perception of ordinary persons. It is delivered by the acharyas or liberated persons. Um, so it is Rajavidya uh, Rajagoyam Abhijan Idamputama. He's the purest, the highest, the king of all education and knowledge. Uh, because we are very fortunate to have uh, blindly stumbled by Srila Prabhupada's mercy upon the across the absolute truth. Uh, so we are receiving from the proper source. And if one is not receiving from the proper source, then you have the bumper sticker, my, my karma ran over your dogma. <laughs> Which is a cute, a cute thing. But um, there's truth, and then there's opinionated dogma which has its origin in speculation or imperfect sensory perception. So there is a difference. The principle of accepting authority is good. That's good. One just has to find the proper authority, the real authority. And then one can be uh, assured that the statements are correct. When it is coming into civic succession from the pure devotees who have dedicated themselves to serving Krishna and are not deceived by Maya and are not performing activities contrary to the Siddhanta of the Shastra. Otherwise, religion without philosophy is mental uh, speculation and sometimes fanaticism. So. Yeah, the source we're getting is has complete scientific knowledge. And people want to dismiss, people who have no faith, they want to dismiss the Vedas as dogma. Oh, it's so dogmatic. But actually, they are dogmatic. Dogmatic, hogmatic, camelmatic, and asthmatic. <laughs> because men who do not, or human beings who do not, and women, women too, can be dog dogs, dogettes, camelettes, hogettes, and uh, I don't know what thing I'm going to say. Assets. Assets, yeah. <laughs> um, who do not engage in their ears in hearing the glories of the Lord, but they turn away and try to take shelter of the a low class engagement of sense gratification. So those who are crying dogma, 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 you know, they themselves are the beastie boys. Um, and they, they don't know. They tell you, but who's hard to get in English? They don't know really anything. Because they haven't understood, they haven't found the proper source to accept knowledge. And therefore they're just barking. That's all. Uh, also, when you were talking about the Kavita, this uh, image of uh, diving and surfacing in the wave, that really resonated with me. When 
I was doing book distribution in Hawaii for 10 years, and you're on Waikiki, on Kalakaua Avenue, and you got this massive humanity coming at you constantly. It was just like the waves of the ocean. And, and you know how when you're, if you're ever trying to surf, and you, and you see what's coming up, and everybody's looking to the horizon, and then everybody sees a big wave, okay, everybody starts paddling and you know, trying to get on their board. It was just like that with the people. Because uh, when you see, you know, a, ma a group of people who look like likely candidates, although you can't always tell, and you really get ready, you start <laughs> praying to Super Soul, please let me connect with these people. And then you enter into the way, and it washes over you, and you're distributing the books. Yeah, it's just it's like that. I mean, it's, it's a sea of humanity. And there's another aspect of that, too, um, is that there's this ocean of, of rasa, of taste, that one gets by serving Krishna. And uh, in many cases, that taste is more readily available to those who sacrifice themselves to uh, distributing books. And I speak from experience here because I was a book distributor also, book distributor brahmachari for some number of years. And there's a certain uh, a rasa, a taste. So you're diving into that ocean of preaching. And then you're getting this taste of the rasa of Krishna consciousness, the realization. And it's very wonderful. There's no other taste like it. That taste of the nectar of Krishna's mercy. And so that is also sporting in the waves sporting in the waves of getting Krishna's mercy, getting that realization, getting that taste, and tasting the bliss of distributing Krishna consciousness to others and preaching. That's right in the first Shastra. Gives us the full taste of the nectar. Gives you the nectar right there. Uh, what is that? It's that uh, drink deep, O devotees, the nectar. Of Krishna consciousness. What's that? That's one from the Bhagavatam, first canto. Oh, Pivata Bhagavatam? Pivata Bhagavatam, Rasam Alayam. Pivata Bhagavatam, drink deep, Rasam Alayam. That Rasa of the nectar of Krishna consciousness, the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the, um, the ripened fruit of the Vedic desire tree. Oh, such beautiful language. And only devotees can understand that language because they experience that taste, that nectar. Pranamitaswaram. <clears throat> it's like our life and soul or the living entity. We get that nectar from Krishna uh, available in the Sankirtan movement. Anyone else? That's good. Thank you, sir. Yes. The last line, if I can take the dust to the feet of the Vaishnava on my head, they're referring to some spiritual pastime, thinking of this right? Well, yeah, he speaks of this several times. Um, like when Narada Muni comes to visit Krishna in Dwarka, and Narada Muni is a devotee. Then Krishna seats him on the throne and takes the dust and his feet on his head. They wash his feet, take the dust, 
and the goddess of fortune engages with him in that worship. That's what Krishna does. If he does it, everyone should do it. No one should be puffed up and thank God better. No, your devotee is so dear to Krishna. Let me take the dust. And also to take the dust is allegorical too, in the sense that one takes the instruction of the devotees upon one's head. That is also taking the dust of the lotus feet. How do we take the dust of the lotus feet of Srila Prabhupada? Well, we're here in Arizona, we got plenty of dust. We go up to the Vyasa Sun, get a little dust. Um, but also means to take the instructions to smear one's body with the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee. Take his instructions and follow them, apply them to your life 100%. That is taking the dust. It's not just dust. It's, you know, seriously taking the mercy. All right, so we have to stop here because of the time. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Thank you.